Oh, Benj, it's good to be sitting across the table from you. You just got back from Japan. I did. I did. I'm you back. Were, you were sick the whole time, basically. <laughs> I was sick the whole time. So if I cough, I'll try not to cough directly into the microphone. For I'm, really, the, I'm really sorry. For you your uh, your audio pleasure. Good. <laughs> well, uh, self-awareness. The journey continues. It does. It does. And I'm, I'm really excited about our conversation. We were just talking about how do we, how do, we do this episode. And um, I guess it will become clearer soon. But uh, I wanted to plan it out really well. I've got a bunch of notes written. And we was like, no, just, just do it. Do it. We just do it. We, we know enough about it. Even yesterday, I was like, do you want to just come around and record it? We haven't, we, we don't have much time. Let's <laughs> yeah. just do it. I'm freaking out. I I'm like, you're like, oh, <laughs> no, nah, we should do it when we've done six weeks of planning for it. <laughs> <laughs> the reason being that I am an Enneagram 7 and you are an Enneagram 1. And some people are like, oh, great. More talk about the Enneagram. And some people are like, what the heck are you talking about? Correct. What are we talking about, Bench? Well, uh, the Enneagram, it's, it's gained a lot of popularity in the last couple of years. Um, but in terms of self-awareness, this has been probably the biggest thing that has helped me understand myself. And um, I think the first time I was introduced to it was uh, we, were, we were sitting around a table at a staff retreat and someone brought out a bowl of wine and it was an Enneagram that was called the Enneagram. And I got super psyched. You got very excited. Because nobody else knew the context of that. But I was like, oh, the wine is called the Enneagram. The Enneagram is this like ancient personality profiling system. And uh, I had done it before. And similar to what you just said, you know, for you it would have been this like one of the most powerful self-awareness tools. That was definitely my experience and has been over a number of years now. So I got pumped and I made everyone get out their phone and search up an Enneagram test and have a go. Correct. And then what happened for you? Uh, I was into it. Like I love, I love personality typing stuff. I love Myers-Briggs and StrengthsFinder and all that sort of stuff. And so really it was just that to start with. It was a fun thing to do. Like that's just fun to me for some strange reason. But um, it was probably, uh, probably about a year ago now. Um, for some reason I just felt really drawn like back to the Enneagram and, um, just, just really got deep into it. I really spent like a month trying to work out what my number was. I was talking about it all the time. I was just reading everything I could on it. And, um, and I was talking to, to the fact that I was like, just all of a sudden, just like kind of obsessed with this thing, um, to my counselor. And he said, it seems like your external world is about to grow. We were just heading into uh, about to plant a church. And um, this is kind of your way of telling yourself that your internal world needs to grow as well. And you need to understand yourself better. And and, um, and so, yeah, that's been on a huge journey for me just in terms of self-awareness, internal growth, and um, just being, yeah, so helpful. So good. I first encountered it. Uh, I was working uh, on a team. We did a team professional development day with an external facilitator. And one of the things we did on that day was he kind of walked the whole team through doing an Enneagram uh, test. And um, yeah, this was uh, this was before the current like 
super hype about it. I feel like the last maybe two years has been super hype. This was maybe uh, like six years ago or five years ago. But um, I just remember... Early adopter. Early adopter. Not in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> I'm sure there were people adopting it before me. But my my type is called the enthusiast. And the enthusiast like is partly characterized by um, getting really pumped about new things and just for a little while just telling everyone about it. So anyone who knows me, I'm co- kind of constantly talking about the latest book I've read or latest podcast I'm listening to or whatever my great new idea is. So for a little while, I was telling a lot of people about the Enneagram. But for me, it's funny because in my marriage, I do this with Sam all the time. So she's got like a high immunity to Will's enthusiasm. So I'll say, this is the best movie in the world. And she's like, oh, you mean you just watched it? (laughs) Uh, It's just the most recent thing you watched. And I'm like, no, 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 like this one's really good. And so a lot of things, you know, they have to be really good to actually cut through and for Sam to actually right. see that it's legitimately good. And the Enneagram is one of those things. There are a few things in our marriage that like I have advocated for and they have become a big part of who we are. And this is one of them. We just see the whole world through the Enneagram lens. It's good. Got through the hype. Got through the hype. And I mean, you know, say right up front, because I know some people will be listening. And there's, I think people get a bit afraid of how enthusiastic people get about the Enneagram. And they're like, is this some new cult? Or it is it does seem like a bit of a cult. If you've seen the, the Enneagram symbol. Oh, yeah. It, it looks totally cult-like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it's legit. And to me, you know, in the context of self-awareness, this is a tool. And if a tool is helpful, <coughs> then use it and it is good. And if it is not helpful to you, then by no means, like, do you have to continue to use it? But I think for both of us and for a number of people we know, including our wives and people we work with, this has been a super helpful tool. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit more about the why, but compared to something like Myers-Briggs or some of the other personality profiling systems, this one has this this, uh, kind of dynamic of movement between disintegration and integration. Self-awareness, character development, I find that's a really helpful way to think about it. Am Mm. I moving towards greater disintegration and things falling apart and my worst tendencies coming out? Or am I moving towards greater integration, wholeness, you know, figuring out how to be myself in a way that's helpful rather than harmful to others? Yeah, and it it seems like it's had more, um, particularly the last couple of years, more cultural cut through than some of those other typing systems and tests as well for some for whatever reason for the kind of cultural moment that we find ourselves in it seems like there's something that is connecting with people and that's why like you know you can go on instagram and there's like a hundred thousand meme pages around the enneagram and um they're all pretty hilarious but um you know i i love myers briggs and um i'm i'm really into that but like it's kind of static in in a way this seems like it's it's more dynamic in the sense that it shows you what you can be like at your uh, least uh, healthiest and um, and what it looks like to move towards health. And there's kind of more um, variance in it as well in terms of like you're not just this one type, but there's just so much movement and um, yeah and nuance. But it, it, like you can you can get so deep into this thing. And I think that's why people love it. And it has, has seems to have like some lasting power with people because it's like um, there's just more and more layers to – it's not, it's not like one of those uh, Facebook tests you do, like, which Disney princess are you? And then that's it. And yes. it's sort of fun novelty. It's actually like, I think you... Which Disney princess are you? I don't know. If Moana counts, then that's who I want to okay. be. Cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, so Benj, <coughs> you have in your oneness gone very deep with the Enneagram and I have gone deep for a seven, but probably I have probably not scratched the layers of depths that you have. So would you just tell us somewhat of a brief history? Where did this thing come from? What's the backstory? I haven't gone as deep as a five would go. That's just <laughs> Enneagram joke. <laughs> um, so, so the Enneagram is not actually based on any modern psychology at all. And I think that's important to know because it's like, it's not trying to be modern psychology. It's actually really old. And, and some people trace it kind of all the way back to, you know, a couple of thousand years ago in um, Judaism and um, through the philosopher uh, Philo. And it's been like seen through like some Sufi traditions and um, all, all sorts of places there's been like found traces of it. That's kind of just really old. It's, it's had just had this kind of, lasting power for whatever reason Mm. um in terms of like the modern history of it um there's a guy george gurdjieff which is a great name and uh he's a russian mystic um in the early 1900s and he's he was kind of in charge i mean he's kind of responsible for uh forming it in a lot of the way that we know it now and he says that he found it in a uh, monastery in afghanistan in the 1920s and then um, more recently, like it had this kind of resurgence in South America. Um, and then that kind of made its way to the USA and has been used really for the last kind of 50, 60 years um, in the Jesuit priest order as a um, spiritual formation tool. Um, so it's had this really interesting background. Um, and then Richard Raw started talking about it. And then yeah, that's probably everyone went crazy. Well, that's probably still like that's in the 80s. So it's still a long time ago, I think, when he started first, when he wrote his first book about it. Yeah, wow. Um, so it's been this kind of slow burn through through modern history, but it's like, it seems like the last couple of years, it's just blown up. Um, and, I, and I think like, it's just one of those things, it's not actually based on psychology, but um, there's a quote that I love by a guy called George Box, who is a mathematician. And he says, all models are wrong, but some are helpful. Mm. And I think that's just one of these things like the Enneagram, like it's, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to nail every aspect of human nature because it's so complex. Um, but just so many people have found it helpful, including myself and you. And what a name for that guy to have, right? George Box. The Enneagram is not intended to put you in a box, <laughs> but to help you to think about a useful framework. Yeah, yeah. It, and it does just seem crazy. Like just, I think it's worth noting. Um, it's it's kind of like anything, right? Like where there are patterns, we can be tempted to like draw conclusions, like stereotyping, for example, mm. all, all people that, you know, live in long jetty are hipsters mm. or whatever. Um, and it's kind of a fine line between like, if there's a way of using the pattern that is helpful, then let's do that but let's not let it become a limiting thing. And I yeah. think when you when you genuinely get into Enneagram rather than just an Enneagram meme, that's its invitation. Its invitation is use this as a model, but then go deeper. And I know there's a guy who we both have, um, you know, benefited from his work on the Enneagram, Ian Cron. And he kind of talks about how actually in many ways, this is a personality system that shows some of the coping mechanisms that we, ad- we adopt as kids for whatever reason um, but it actually, the more you are aware of it, then you can 
take off that mask. You can take off that number. You can see your worst tendencies that you, they're like your habits. And so then you can learn to actually um, not change your basic personality. That's not the claim of it. You can't do that, but you can learn how to uh, transcend it a yeah. little bit. Uncover your, uncover your real self. Yeah. yeah. I love, he talks about um, that, like you are not your personality and that, you know, those, there's a personality. All it is, is a set of coping mechanisms that was developed in childhood because of what was going on around you. And, um, you know, as you grow, like those same coping mechanisms aren't necessarily helpful anymore. And so it's kind of identifying those things that are, that are less helpful. And that's kind of why the Enneagram's like, it's, it's really confronting um, because it, it, it gets to the depths of kind of some of your motivation and fear and why you act the way you do, particularly when you're at your unhealthiest. Um, but I think that's why it has such lasting power because it's actually so helpful. And, and um, it really all it is, is a, is a framework and a language to talk about things that, um, you know, we all want to talk about and understand about ourselves, but sometimes to have a shared language mm. just really helps that. Yeah. Yeah. Some of us have learned to cope in this particular way. Yeah. Others, others of us That's have right. learned to cope in this particular way and they tend to sort of fall around these nine kind of styles. So let's just do a real basic kind of bullet point overview of the nine for anyone listening who has no idea what we're talking about. And uh, there is so, so many good resources out there that you can go and look up and, and we'll talk about some of those and point you in that the direction if you want to do more learning. Um, but yeah, if you're listening to this now and you're like, well, Give me, give me the bullet points because I'm not doing any further research than listening to the Inhabit podcast. We better give you something. Yeah. So, Benj, you're a one. What does that mean? I am an Enneagram one, which is the best number. Well, it's one of two that we could debate. Sure, sure. the best numbers. Well, yeah. I integrate to seven, so yeah. So you become the best number when you're healthy. <laughs> yeah. What, what's the one? What's the title of it? What's the basic? The one uh, is often called the perfectionist which I, uh, I don't love that term, but or sometimes the reformer. And basically the one, um, they have a, a drive to perfect themselves, to perfect other people, um, sometimes in an unhealthy way, and to, and to perfect and better the world around them. And so um, at their healthiest, that's a really great thing. Uh, at their unhealthiest, that's a really destructive uh, thing where you get the stereotype of the kind of perfectionist person. Um, and the thing I love about the Enneagram is it teaches that each person has a basic um, fear and a basic desire, a drive. And those two things um, drive so many subconsciously, so many of the decisions that we make in life and the way that we interact. And when we're in stress, like, you know, how we, how we interact with the world around us. So the, the basic fear of the one is to be um, wrong or corrupt or evil or mm. um, disintegrated. And the basic desire of the one is to be good or to be right, right in the sense of like right within, like integrated within myself, whole, um, or, or to be balanced. So that's the ones. Uh, great number. Great number. Great number. It is. And I, I actually like this is, you know, what I've loved about the Enneagram is we joke about it a bit. We've joked about it on previous episodes, but the dynamic between our numbers makes the work that we do I think a lot better mm. bringing the qualities of a one with the qualities of a seven. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that could be any, any combination of numbers. If you learn how to like use your strengths well. Yeah, absolutely. You make something better together. Yeah. So the second number is the two. Wow. 
Yep. Yeah, it just goes up. It's that easy. <laughs> and uh, it is uh, often called the helper. Helpers, yes. Yes. My both, wife is a two. Both of our wives wife are twos. Is a two. Yeah. Two twos. Two twos. And basically the helper, they um, are kind of driven uh, by the needs of others um, and always want to be really helpful and generous uh, to others, often great gift givers and uh, and the like. Um Kind of walk, walk into the room and know who in the room has a need and what it right. is and how that's they right. can fulfill it. Like yeah. super empathetic. Yeah. Uh, but it's often a drive to cover up their own needs by helping others. Um, and so often a, a, a two will squash their own desires and needs um, in an attempt to help others so that maybe those other people might help them. Um, that's kind of the unhealthy side of a two. Their basic fear is to be unwanted or unloved and their basic desire is to be loved. So everything they do is is motivated by that connection and love with other people. Yep. Then we have the three. And uh, I know a few threes and love. Love the threes I know, um, you know, both in my family and friendship circles. The three is called the achiever. And the three, like, you know, whatever the three applies themselves to, they will come out at the top of the pack type thing. Yeah. Um, they are basically, you know, super um, driven in a good way that that can be or it can be, you know, either. But the, the thing about a three is it's not just that they're driven in one particular context. It's whatever success looks like, yes. whether that's as a CEO or yeah. as a mother or as a hippie, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, they're driven to achieve what it looks like to be successful in that particular context. So it yeah. can it can kind of be a bit of a chameleon number and pop up in a different range of ways. Very image conscious, like want to be perceived to be doing well at whatever they do. Yes. So yeah. there's kind of this real, um, you know, I guess management of how they look publicly. Yeah. Uh, basic fear is of being on unwanted or, or feeling unworthy of love. And so their basic motivation Oh, did I just read the two one? I read the two one. Their basic fear is of being worthless or of failure. Yeah, to fail. So if, it, yeah, it, it's all around their image. They want to be successful. So if something in their life fails, like that is their greatest fear. And so they'll do anything to avoid failure or will even turn failure into looking like success. Yep. Really good at, at that kind of image management yep. sort of thing. And I thought I was a three for a long time. Yeah, and I actually thought I was a three for a while as well. Or I've thought... You know, if there was a number that was like my second highest, it would be a three. Yeah. Which is interesting because then you get into all of the like dynamics and sevens don't go to three in any of their kind of movements or whatever. But, you know, we all kind of maybe have parts of these in all of us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So the next one is the fours, uh, which are often called the individualists or the romantics. Um, and these are very uh, unique people, very creative um, often like this is like the stereotype is like a drama queen, like everything's a massive deal, super in touch with their emotions. Um, uh, but on the flip side of that, like able to just like empathize really well, see the beauty in the world, super kind of aesthetic and creative. Um, and so their basic fear is, um, to, uh, uh losing their identity, losing their uniqueness. Mm. And so there's, there's this thing in the Enneagram that like, Two enneagrams, two enneagram fours don't want to be in the same room because like there's someone else that's like equally as like unique and arty as them. Right. Um, 
and their basic um, motivation is to kind of be significant, to be unique, to find to find their true selves. Kind of that's that's the yeah uh, right. the stereotype. It but sounds to me I could be wrong, but I just watched um, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh-huh. Freddie Mercury sounds like a total four. And I don't know if he was, but just basically <laughs> that description to me sounds like the way that he's portrayed in that movie. Yeah. Anyway, a lot of uh, like it, it is a stereotype, but a lot of like front men. Um, or, or really artistic, especially super creative people are, are fours. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why like uh, a lot of those people, um, artists and actors s- struggle really heavily with depression as well because it's kind of like they feel the range and the depth mm-hmm. of emotion um, maybe more than any other number. Yeah, wow. And it, we, we can't go into all the depths, but one of the things about the Enneagram is it's broken into three. The numbers kind of fall into three sections. There's like um, uh, more head kind of mental. Yep. Then there's ones that are more kind of in the in the heart and ones that are more in the gut. Yep. Um, so the gut so the gut triad is uh, uh, eight, nines and ones. Make, they make decisions just out of instinct. And then two, three, and four is heart. Two, three, and four is heart. So very emotionally based decisions. And then five, six, seven is head. Yeah, baby. So, so logic and uh, and rationalizing decisions. Yep. So then we have the five. Five is called the investigator or sometimes the observer. Mm. And very cerebral, very uh, kind of, you know, like analyzing things in their head uh, for days. Yes, I also thought I was a five for a long time. Um, they love to gather, love to learn, love to gather knowledge. Um, uh, are often kind of secretive and um, ha- have a sense that like they only have a, a small amount of relational energy. And so they really want to guard that and protect that. Um, their basic fear is of being um, useless or incapable or like lacking the knowledge to sort of go mm. through life. Um, their motivation is to be competent, to be capable, to to have the right knowledge. And so often you'll know, like fives will just know so much stuff about so much random things and will go deep in a, in a few, you know, select kind of curated subjects. But great people, mm. the fives. Then we have the six. The sixes. The, yeah. the loyalist. And you might know more about this, Benj, but sixes kind of have a bit of a split. There's like two expressions of six. It's the only number that this happens. And I've I got to say, I don't fully have my head around this as much as I could. Um, but the sixes, they're kind of uh, one name for it is the loyal skeptic. Mm. Is the split around whether or not they, it's kind of around how they deal with authority and power. Some of them. Uh, I think I think it's because um, the sixes are driven a lot by fear. Um, and so I think there's the phobic and the counterphobic six, which is about how how aware of their fear or anxiety they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really changes their personality because if they're going through life really aware of what they're scared of, um, uh, that's very different to uh, making decisions but being unaware that you're actually really scared of that thing that you're gotcha. running away from. Um, yeah, really interesting. Uh, apparently, it's the most common number, but I actually don't know a heap of sixes. But yeah, very loyal people um, will all like will just will just go to go to town for the people that they love, um, but are always prepared as well. Like these are the people that um, you know, you know, in the back of their car, they've got they've got a first aid kit and they've got you know random 
things that a torch and things that you might need just in case um they're always prepared think, thinking a few steps ahead about like what could go wrong and um being prepared about that so their uh basic fear is to be without support so to be in a place where there's where they're uh, exposed mm. um to their fears and um their both basic motivation is to have security to be to be safe and so they want to find something they can be loyal to that will actually provide that security over the long term. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes the expression of a six is kind of like this continuing to follow uh, a system e- even beyond where it's healthy because there's kind of this desire for, well, if this kind of provides that security, then we've got to keep it going. Yeah. Um, then we have the seven. Hey. Hey. The enthusiast. Look at you. All enthusiastic. I love being a seven. Because I'm enthusiastic about basically everything. <laughs> um, sevens are, um, yeah, you know, creative, spontaneous, like love the latest idea, yep. uh, kind of good at starting things, not always so good at following things through. Often quite extroverted, yep. life of the party type type people. Um, Which is driven, you know, the, the fear for a seven is like, negative or afflictive emotions like it's kind of like putting out all this fun and energy and let's go have an adventure because ultimately i don't want to be bored or sad or have to deal with hard things um so it's kind of very fomo driven personality type yeah you know, and you do, you know part of what a seven does is you you don't want to close off any option mm. so it can be frustrating uh Sam sometimes because I'm just like trying to okay let's go to this place and this place and this place and this place and then we'll go to dinner and then we'll go to dessert and then we'll do this and we'll go on this adventure and we'll do it all today it's like no <coughs> that's not possible but to me I don't want to be told that's not possible because I'm so like I don't want to miss out on any of those options so we have to try and keep them all on the table which ironically leads to not really doing any of them well mm. uh, that that quick moving on is often and uh, a uh, coping mechanism of not dealing with any uncomfortable feelings in a situation or a place or actually dealing with the um, uh, the negative emotions that you hold around a certain thing. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so there's this motivation to be, to be satisfied and to be content, which is kind of ironic because then the pursuit of more things actually is kind of its own salt water. Yeah. So it's fun being a seven. <laughs> and there's the eights who are the, the challenges – these are the, um, uh, you know, type A type people, powerful, um, you know, they walk into a room and they know like where the power is, like where the relational power is. They are kind of confrontational. Um, uh, they're, they're decisive, confident. You know, this is kind of like a typical, a typical kind of view of a leader. Um, in a stereotypical way, like someone that just walks in and, you know, they just like command, command, command the room. Um, and uh, these people can be like wonderful, you know, at, at their healthiest and um, really, uh, really difficult at their unhealthiest, um, like any number. But this, this, I think because they're so outward, uh, a lot of other, other numbers kind of flee flee from them um, in <laughs> when they're unhealthy. But so their basic fear is of being controlled by someone else. Mm. Um, and so they have a desire to, to control their own lives. Um, and so anytime someone tries to come in and control them, they get, they don't fly away. They, they fight. 
Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they go to town, which is which is a uh, motivated by uh, being in control. Yeah, and protecting themselves. Yeah. Then we have the peacemakers, the number nine. Love, love my friends that are nines. I think um, everyone loves nines. It's very lovable number. Really, yeah. that's just what they should be called the lovable ones. Yeah. Uh, the the peacemaker, the the nines are like really easygoing, agreeable people, just doing uh, you know everything they can to avoid conflict, trying to keep the peace. Uh, nines, there, there's um, kind of this like uh, conflict saps their energy big time. Mm. So there's a lot of energy being used in avoiding it as mm. well. Um, their basic fear is like uh, the loss of relationship mm. and, and feeling separated from relationship. And their basic motivator is to have inner peace and for those around them to also be at peace. Yeah. So at their unhealthiest, they are, um, I heard it uh, talked about like this, like they're peacekeepers at their worst. Like they'll do anything to avoid conflict, but at their best, they're peacemakers. Like mm. they're, they're the people that bring others together and create harmony um, and, and these are the, um, this is the type that is able to best empathize with every other number. They say that's, um, nines find it really hard to identify their type because they kind of, they, uh, identify with almost every number, um, in different ways, uh, which is really interesting. So that's the nine types. And, uh, you know, on a really, that's a, that's a really kind of basic overview. Um, but there's, there's much more depth to it than that as well. And, wings and where do you go where you go to in relaxation you go to other numbers when you're in stress and um there's there's subtypes and countertypes there's just so much nuance to it and so um it's actually more than nine types and i think that's the thing people come mm. and go like oh i, I don't want to be boxed it's normally the fours that don't want to be boxed into into a number but um people that are uh, kind of averse to like like i don't just want to be boxed into a certain thing um, there is so much nuance to it. Well, there's, that's it. There's like infinite expressions because you think, yeah, there's all those numbers with their potential wings. Then there's all of those that adds like already, that's like 27 kind of possibilities. Then there's all of those scales of health and unhealth and what that looks like for each of those different numbers and wings and whatever. So it's true. Like there's, there's a huge yeah, each, amount of each variance. number has three subtypes. Have you heard about this? No, tell yeah. me. No, I, I don't think we should. It's too much. It's too much. That's too a deep. footnote. That's a footnote. Too deep. Maybe another episode if people are keen. Um, but the thing that um, I love and I've found really helpful about my own number is the Enneagram kind of teaches that um, your your strength and your sin uh, are essentially um, two sides of the same coin. And so I'm an Enneagram one. And so, you know, part of my strength is that um, I can instantly look at something and, and see how it could work better. Um, um, and, you know, I want to make the world a better place and I want to I want to be a better person. And um, my whole life is kind of devoted to that. But the the sin of that is that um, just have this driving deep inner critic you know, just super critical um, and at my unhealthiest, you know, extremely critical of myself. I can be critical of other people, you know, like I, I can really be critical of those that are closest to me and Mel probably um, gets the brunt of that the most, you know, when I'm in my unhealthiest or when I'm stressed and, um, and become critical of systems and things around that aren't working properly and get sort of real black and white 
Um, but it's, it's, the, it's the two sides of the one coin. The same thing that is a great gift to the world is the same thing that can be destructive in the world, um, which is just so interesting, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that we find, you know, for me, the Enneagram has been really helpful in all spheres of my life, but probably in my marriage is where because Sam and I both both love uh, the understanding that it's given us about each other and about the dynamics of our relationship, there are almost those times where it's like, actually, like, Will, we need we need the enthusiasm. Like, we're going through a hard season. Mm. We need some of the optimism and the adventure that that brings. There are other times where it's like, whoa, 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 like, we need to process some stuff. We need to slow down that part of you. We need to, like, actually consciously sit in some pain. Mm. And so, again, exactly that, the strength side and the, the sin side or the kind of shadow side, um, when you've got a language for it, you're actually also able to say when you kind of need to actually ramp up that part of your personality and when you need to put the brakes on. Mm, mm. And it's just been super helpful for us, even with being able to love my wife as a two, knowing that she's never going to ask. It's very hard for her to ask for that help or for that love, but I can then be much more proactive in going, you just need to get out of the house and I'm not going to give you options. I'm just going to tell you what to do. Yeah. Um, So super helpful for loving myself more as well as loving those closest to me more helpful as a parent helpful in my work you know it, it's just so good for the self-awareness things like i recognize now that i'm more likely to start something and less likely to finish it that means yeah there's some work i need to do but part of that work might mean bringing people into the team when mm. i'm working on something that can help at those later stages of mm. the project because I'm going to bring so much energy at the beginning which is going to actually inspire a team to get around that thing. Mm. So, you know, yeah, it's huge for that. Um, as we've said this, this whole season, the more you are aware of yourself, the more you can, um, yeah, go, go deeper in your strengths and have a greater awareness and understanding of what's going to happen if you let your shadows rule your life. Yeah, absolutely. And the way of Jesus is one of others' awareness, but others' awareness uh, starts with self-awareness. I think we've, we've talked about this in an early episode, but you know, um, to love your neighbor as yourself, you need to understand and know and, and learn to love yourself. And it's, it's to that level that we can love uh, the people around us and the people that, that need us at our best. Um, and so the more work we can do on ourselves, the more thi- the more tools we can use. And this is just all it is. It's, it's a tool. Um, it's not kind of an authoritative thing on like how your life has to be. Um, but it's a tool to understand yourself, understand. Um, and really some of it is, it's just asking the right questions mm. about, you know, why you're doing certain things. Um, and, and maybe that's a lot of the power of it. It's, it's just a language to ask some really good questions you know, focused internally um, mm. and a language to talk about that with other people, which which is just so good. So I think it also, it highlights our need for community. It highlights the fact that we actually, um, like a world full of sevens wouldn't be a good world, but a world with sevens working with eights and nines and ones and twos and fours, mm. fives, threes, sixes, you know, like um, hopefully I said all the numbers just then, <laughs> definitely not in order, but, you know, that that's actually what, I think God has designed us for. And again, there's obviously biblical language around being one body with many parts. And the fact that God has made us with diversity actually should drive us into community rather than driving us to build walls between our differences. And I also think it it expresses the creativity of God, right? That God is 
Um, imagine if every single one of these Enneagram numbers reflects some aspect of what mm. God is like, oh, then actually a true picture of God is all of them integrated. It's not just the integration of one number, it's the integration of all the numbers, that God is um, bigger than any of us could reflect on our own, and yet in our diversity yeah. we reflect God. Yeah, that's, that's the Church of Christ, right? The bride, the reflection of, of Jesus, the, the body of Christ, which I, I love. Um, what what advice would you give to the person who's listening to this and um, maybe hasn't ever heard of the Enneagram before or sort of knows a little bit about it? What next steps would would you encourage them to take? Well, if I'm at a party and I talk about the Enneagram, I get people to get out their phone right there <laughs> and then and just Google Enneagram test and do one. But the other thing that I've come to do more in recent times is just tell people to go on the Enneagram Institute website, which is just enneagraminstitute.com, and actually just do a read through. It, there, there's a page which has each of the nine types and read through and see which ones resonate most with you and maybe resonate in like some painful ways. The ones that you, it kind of is like looking at a mirror and seeing those parts of yourself that it's a bit hard to look at, but it feels very true. Um, so I would just encourage people to do that. I would encourage people to do that in conversation, like yeah. do it at a party, do it at a restaurant, you know, get all your friends together, do it on your phone at the same time and then actually like talk about does this seem true of me. Yeah. Um, the yeah, big I'm, thing is. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the tests, but yeah. um, uh, because of that reason, like because it's really hard to test for motivation. Like mm. you can kind of test and it depends how you feel at the time when you take the test and uh, all that sort of stuff. But you can kind of test for behavior, but it's really hard to get, you know, really well-formed questions, especially if it's only 50 questions or whatever, um, to get at your motivation. But what the test will do is will give you some good um, first steps to go. You might have like three of the three numbers are high. Then you can go and read you can go to the Enneagram Institute and you can read those three numbers and start there. That I think that's what I would encourage yeah, people to and, do. And definitely I've seen a lot of, I know a lot of people um, who have kind of confidently proclaimed that they are the first number that they've got on the test. Yeah. And then several months later yeah. or even years later, they go, actually, I think I got that wrong. Yeah. Um, which is fine, but it's just a warning. Like don't do a simple test and then make a grand sweeping declaration and kind of organize your life around being whatever number you think you are. Yep. Um, this like all self work is best done uh, over a process of reflection, conversation, prayer, I mean, you know, pray about it. Like actually ask God, like, I want to know myself more. I think this tool could be helpful. So would your spirit speak to me in the process of seeking to understand myself using this this tool? I see no reason why you wouldn't do that. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Um, there's a few uh, good resources out there. There's actually a lot of good resources now. Um, a lot of people are, are writing about this and um, creating um you know, all sorts of podcasts. There's a podcast that I listen to, uh, which is Typology, T-Y-P-O-L-O-G-Y, which is by Ian Morgan Cron. He also wrote a book called The Road Back to You, which is a pretty good um, uh, introduction to the Enneagram. My, the favorite, my favorite book that I've ever read on the Enneagram is called The Sacred Enneagram by uh, Christopher Huertz, I think is his name. Um, and that's really good because it actually gives each number, like what are, what are the things that you are, um, that you need to press into, particularly with your relationship with God. Um, and what he gives like specific practices for each number in terms of how they can relate to God better, uh, which is really cool. And there's a bunch of stuff. There's, um, uh, 
the artist sleeping at last have you oh, heard these yeah. songs so good he's he's basically um written a song for each number but just put so much work into it and thought into it and so each number has a song and he's done a podcast for each of those numbers so i think it's the sleeping at last podcast i think yeah. that's what it's called yeah that is really worth checking out the sleeping at last podcast his podcast actually is him as an artist talking about his songwriting process for that song and then also talking to like an Enneagram expert yeah. um, who, you know, kind of breaks down a little bit more of the kind of um, the nuts and bolts yeah. of the personality type. So that's great. And it's just a beautiful, I love that for, for uh, I think his name is Ryan, the artist who, who mm. is sleeping at last. Uh, for him, it's like this beautiful way of honouring each of the different like ways mm. that those numbers are made up and uh, he talks about it in this really just generous beautiful way towards each number um and look really if nothing else if you do all this you'll be able to enjoy the enneagram memes and make a few enneagram jokes like we do perfect perfect hey um if you want us we would we could talk about this forever and so we would do we would do more episodes on this if you want if you don't want it don't say anything but if you do want it let us know and um and we'll put some more stuff into it, but um, only if it's helpful. And that's, that's uh, you know, everything we want to do here is helpful. Um, yeah, but do give us feedback. We do enjoy your feedback. In fact, I'm about to read uh, our most recent review because uh, we said that we would do that sort of thing. Love it. So you can leave a review for us on iTunes. And uh, any review... Five stars, one stars. I, I would particularly like to read one out that just kind of rips us apart. That would be kind of fun. Um, it would but be kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But then my inner critic would, would destroy me. So, Can you actually look up this review on your phone <laughs> at the moment? My, um, You've run out of data? My mobile data is switched off. <laughs> <laughs> this is because you're a seven and you've just like been just going hard on just like all these new ideas. Enneagram memes. Yeah, I'm looking it up now. All right, this is our latest review. This is by You Know Me as DCD. You know him as DCD. Yeah. What does he say? The title, Life Giving. Five stars. In a society that sees me as a consumer or a customer, this podcast is countercultural by offering life-giving lessons and asking for nothing in return. Except for a review. That's the That's only it. thing we, we ask. We do ask for that quite often. <laughs> please, please give us a review. Uh, this podcast is full of graceful challenge, is both understanding of human nature while showing uh, the way to life. Inhabit is teaching me to love and care for myself, which then enables me to better love others out of a place of peace and understanding with God's love. Thank you. What a beautiful review. We good. know you as DCD. Thank you. You know, we also know you now as just a, a really generous and loving person. Yeah, I, I like that guy. Um, yeah, please leave us a review. It really helps. And um, the thing is, like, there is a bunch of people that are really finding this helpful. Um, and I think, like, more people would. Uh, they just don't know about it. And so the more you can review, share it on Instagram, um, recommend it to other people or online or whatever, um, we just want this to be helpful and a resource. We're doing it anyway. So the more people that we can get it uh, into their hands, the more it's going to help people um, follow the way of Jesus, which, uh, which is a good thing. Well, Benj, until next time. Until next time. Outro music. Wow. It, may, it just it changes it, doesn't it? It does. 
if we were to tell people to give us a review while the outro music is playing, they're probably more likely to do it. A bit of emotional manipulation. Maybe. It hasn't worked so far. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for listening. Hey, we are going to do a question and response episode soon as well. So we're going to put some things up on our Instagrams. Uh, Give us some questions about self-awareness and anything following the way of Jesus. Love you, listeners. The end.